If you would, open up your Bible with me, and we will, uh, we will recite the call to worship together. I'll give you a minute to open it. It comes from the book of John, chapter 12. John, chapter 12. And we're going to recite verses, excuse me, verse 13 together. John, chapter 12, verse 13. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. In a special way today, we ask if there's something you can give to the church financially, please do so. worship this morning with Open Up the Heavens. Y'all sing along. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire. Awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason, Jesus. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our praise. Oh, we lift our voices to you, Lord. Your presence in this place, your glory on our face. We're looking to the sky, descending like a cloud. You're standing with us now, Lord, unveil our
past several Sundays, our worship service has been somewhat unique, and I think that's to put it very, very mildly. Nick has sung, Linda has played, and I have preached to a church of empty chairs. But you know, in the midst of all of that, we thank Jonathan this morning that uh, he has made all of this possible with his video skills of helping us to bring to you the gospel message. And even though our church is vacant this morning with just a handful helping out, we have sensed God's presence every time that we have come into this sanctuary to worship God. And my prayer is this morning that that you will sense His presence as we try to bring to you the gospel message. The sweet presence of the Holy Spirit will permeate out and reach out to you this morning. And our prayer is that you can feel His Spirit in the music and the message in God's Word on this beautiful Palm Sunday.
Well, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. You tell me you are pleased in that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide because you just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good
Thank you, Nick, for that beautiful song this morning. As we prepare our hearts for the time of family prayer, there's a passage of Scripture I'd like to share with you found over in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request unto God. God is inviting us this morning that if we're anxious about anything, that we can bring every situation that we have to God in prayer. And then he says, with thanksgiving, even in the midst of the chaos in which we're living today, there's still something that we can thank God and praise him about this morning. And then he tells us to present our request unto him. I don't know what your needs are this morning. I don't know what that particular request is that you want to bring to God. But no burden is too big or too small. But what God is able to meet your need and help you out of your situation that you may find yourself in. Shall we pray? Again, our Father, as we come humbly and boldly under the throne of divine grace, We're glad, Lord, that in the midst of these chaotic times in which we're living, that we still have an anchor that holds in the midst of the storm, that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And so, Father, we have faith and confidence in the God that we serve this morning, that in the midst of our anxieties, in the midst of our fears, that we have the hope that we can bring every burden and every care and every situation that we find ourselves in, and bring, it, bring them to you, and believing that you are the one that's able to meet our needs and to answer the prayers that we pray. And Father, we pray that you will help our people this morning. Lord, we do not know the burdens that they carry. We do not know the situations that they may find themselves in today. But Lord, help them to rely and, and trust upon you this morning. For, Lord, you are the one that is our hope and our strength in the time of need. And so, Father, we pray for those who need a physical touch this morning, that you will lay your healing hand upon them and restore health and bring bring health back to them in the midst of sickness. I pray, Lord, that you will answer prayer for those that are facing financial situations that they find themselves in today. Lord, you said you'd supply all of our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. We pray for our president this morning. We pray for our vice president. We pray for our governors. We pray for our nation uh, that in the midst of these chaotic times that they will seek your face and call upon your name to bring answers and solutions to the situations uh, that our nation find themselves in today. And, Father, we just want to tell you again how much we love you and and we appreciate all that you have done for us. Uh, The blessings that you bestowed upon us are innumerable, and we cannot even begin to thank you enough today for your blessings. Uh, And we pray today, Lord, that, uh, that you will just place your arms of love and comfort around those who may be watching to a our our broadcast this morning, uh, that you will give them that peace and comfort and, and the assurance, Lord, that you are still in control, 
that you have everything in your hands, and that, Lord, that all things are, work, are going to work out for, for our good and will bring glory and honor to your name. We pray, Lord, you'll bless in all that we say and do, and we'll give your name the honor and the glory and the praise. For it's in that wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus that we ask all of these things. Amen. Well, I know this morning that we are so very anxious for the day when we can gather back into our sanctuary and worship again as a, as a church family. But until that time comes, we're trying to reach out to you through uh, our Sunday morning services and also through our midweek Bible study on Wednesday night. If you're not receiving the text messages or emails concerning uh, the activities of our church that we're trying to reach out to, to you with, uh, just uh, call the church and uh, some will, someone will get in touch with you and keep you updated on how you can listen to, this, to the messages on uh, service on Sunday and also on the midweek service on Wednesday night. And I just want to say thank you in advance to our church family for your continued support in these times of uncertainties. I know that everyone is hurting during these times, and, and I know that you realize that uh, the expenses of our church still goes on, even though we were not having uh, uh, services together. And I just want to say again, thank you for all that you're doing for our church during this time uh, of uncertainty. Again, you can send your tithes and offerings by mail, and, or you can use PayPal to, uh, to pay your tithes and offerings. Again, Thank you to the Nouvelle family for taking time to worship with us on this Palm Sunday.
This is Palm Sunday. We're probably celebrating Palm Sunday in a different way than we have ever in the history of mankind. But we're still going to celebrate the triumphant entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. For our scripture lesson this morning, I'm turning over to the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 21, and beginning with verse 1. I'll give you just a few moments to find that passage of scripture today. You'll find that uh, all of the four gospel writers have written about the triumphant entry of Jesus in their, in their book. So it was an important event that all of them felt like that they should write about. They write about it in a little different way from each other, but it all bears the same text and the same message of his entry. Beginning with verse 1, Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples, unnamed, on ahead. Some feel like that it may have been James and John or Matthew and Peter who were the two disciples, but really that is not an important factor in this story. They're just unnamed. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, The Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Luke tells us that this donkey had never been ridden before. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I suppose that the triumphant entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem is one of the most beautiful and yet strangest events recorded in the Bible. Again, I mention that all four of the gospel writers have recorded the events that took place this day. And because of the events of that day, it was the beginning of a week that changed the history of the world when he went into the city of Jerusalem. If you would allow me the privilege this morning... I would like to spin the wheels of time back and imagine that I was present that day as Jesus made his way into his beloved city. I would like to imagine that I took that journey with him on that day of the so long ago. And I would like for you to join me this morning as we take this journey with Jesus as he marched triumphant into his city. As the orange morning sun was rising higher and higher over the city of David, 
Multitudes of visitors and pilgrims were pouring through the gates of the city. They had come to celebrate the Passover. It wasn't easy as I winded my way down the narrow cobbled stone streets of Jerusalem. Throngs of people were coming to join in this great celebration. As I elbowed my way through the crowd, I sensed an atmosphere of excitement and expectancy that was filling the air. I heard a rumor spreading through the crowd that Jesus was slowly making his way from Jericho to Jerusalem. They also said that Lazarus, the one that Jesus raised from the dead, was coming with him. This only added to the excitement of the hour, because they wanted to see the one whom Jesus had raised from the dead. I left the crowded streets of Jerusalem, and I traveled almost 20 miles back over the hills to the little town of Bethany. I found Jesus. He had gathered his disciples and a few of his friends. The time had come for him to declare his Messiahship, and he was preparing his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem. I leaned in and began to listen to the conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples, and he was giving them specific instructions on what to do. He gave two of his disciples a very curious command. He needed a donkey, but he didn't have a donkey. In fact, Jesus didn't own anything. The Bible tells us that that one time he said, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus became poor that we might become rich. And so Jesus commanded his disciples to go into the village ahead of him and they would find a donkey tied to a post, a donkey that had never been ridden. How would you like to ride a donkey that had never been ridden? Uh, By nature, a donkey is not the most accommodating animal in the world. Sometimes they can be stubborn. Sometimes they can be mean. Uh, uh, They have a mind of their own, especially a donkey uh, that no one had ever ridden. As a young boy growing up in Idaho, I never had a horse or a donkey to ride. Really didn't care about having a donkey to ride, but always wanted to have a horse. But I never uh, had one. But being reared on a farm, I always had plenty of, of young calves to ride. The only broken bone that I ever, ever received uh, was because of disobedience. One day my father, before he left to work in the fields, told me, uh, To my friend and I, son, don't ride the calves today. Don't ride them. As soon as he got out of sight and wore in the four distant fields, uh, uh, my friend and I, what did we do? We went to the barnyard and we got some calves and we began to ride those calves. And one of those calves that I jumped on the back of threw me off. And I landed on my arm and broke my elbow. This brought an end to my cowboy days. And here Jesus instructed these two disciples, I want you to untie this unridden donkey and bring that donkey back to me. I'm going to ride this donkey into the city of Jerusalem. You know, these disciples, they didn't realize that they were only fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah when he said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, 
Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I watched as these two disciples, they quickly obeyed their master. The command was strange, but no task was too ridiculous for them to perform when Jesus asked them to do something. I believe this morning there's a lesson for each one of us. We must be prompt always to obey the commands of our master. When he tells us something to do, we must be quick to obey whether we fully understand the reason behind it or not. We have a granddaughter who is married now and has her own little little baby, our, our great-granddaughter. But uh, Allie, who her real name is Alexis, is redheaded. When she was a young girl, about the age of three or four, she had beautiful red hair. But when anyone would refer to her red hair, it would make her angry. She didn't want to be a redhead. She would uh, give you a look like, you better not call me a redhead anymore. I don't like being a redhead. And she would always say, call me a strawberry blonde. If you called her a strawberry blonde, a smile would play across her face, and she would be so happy uh, uh, that she was a strawberry, a precious strawberry blonde was more uh, appropriate uh, wording for her. But one day her father came home from work, and she met him at the door and said, Mommy, punish me today. Her daddy said, what for, Allie? Allie said, because I didn't listen to Mommy. And she had to tell me three times not to play with the glue. Her daddy looked at Allie and said, she did? Well, Allie, why didn't you obey your mother the first time that she told you? Allie said, because the devil was really working on me. You know, sometimes the devil, devil really works on us. Uh, he tries to get us to disobey but God wants our quick and full, complete obedience to what he wants us to do. And really this morning, there's no legitimate reason for not obeying the master when he commands us to do something, whether we understand or not. Jesus has told his disciples that when the owner of the donkey came up to them and asked why they were, what they were doing and why they were taking their donkey, they were to say, the Lord needs him. How would you have liked to have been the disciples that day? In that particular situation, they had no idea what they might encounter. But what did they do? They obeyed just the same. God wants our trust and obedience in him when he commands us to do something. And so the disciples, they went into the city. They found the donkey just as Jesus had told them. And we can, take, we can take hope this morning in the fact that if Jesus commands us to do something, then we have faith that is going before us and making it possible for us to obey what he has told us to do. He prepared the way for them. I watched the disciples. They began untying the donkey. And sure enough, the owner came out of nowhere and quickly came up to the disciples and said, What are you doing? Are you trying to steal my donkey? This is my donkey. And just as Jesus commanded them, they said, The master 
need your donkey. But he will bring him back to you. You know, the owner could have said, you know, this is my donkey. I'm not giving my donkey to anyone. Uh, I don't know you. I don't know the one who needs him. Leave my donkey here. Get out. Get away from me. You know, we're living in a self-centered day today when people are protecting what they have. Mine is mine, and I want to protect protect it. But instead, what did the owner say? Go ahead. Go ahead. You can use my donkey. Uh, if, if someone needs my donkey, I don't know who it is, but if someone needs my donkey, go ahead, take him with you. You know, I, I think the lesson we need to learn this morning is that we must never withhold anything from Jesus that he wants from us. We must be quick to give God what he asks of us. And at this particular season of the year, we're once again made to realize that, that Jesus has withheld nothing from us. He gave his life. He was willing to give his all. He was willing to give his life on the cross for us that we might have eternal life. And when we begin to realize what Jesus has done for us, especially so at this particular season of the year, how how can we hold anything back from him that he asked of us? Throughout the earthly life of Jesus, he had never done anything to provoke a demonstration or call attention to himself. Jesus had never worn a halo or declared that he was a king. But now, the climatic hour had come. He had chosen to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey as what? A king. Why? He wanted to, he wanted the Jews to know. He wanted the world to know that he was the king as well as our Savior. Once again, I slipped through the gates of Jerusalem and began to mingle among the crowd. I began to hear whispers spreading throughout the crowd that Jesus was getting getting close to the city of Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, the spirit of festivity was silenced by the sounds of singing Coming from the east, I saw everyone turn, and they looked in the direction of the singing. As I looked toward the east, I saw a great caravan of people as they came into view, and there is one riding on a donkey. And all of a sudden, the crowd stopped, and Jesus began to look over the beloved city of Jerusalem, and he began to weep. The word that Luke uses for weep means a loud lamentation and deep wailing. It's the weeping of deep anguish. And about that time, Jesus' lips begin to move. And I heard him say, I wish you knew today what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from you. The time is coming when your enemies will build a wall around you and will hold you on all sides. They will destroy you and all your people not one stone will be left on another. All this will happen because you did not recognize the time when, when God came to save you. It's hard for us to comprehend the real meaning of his words that day. But in just 30 short years, Jerusalem was literally destroyed. Over one million Jews died 
and over 97,000 were taken as captives. Josephus, the great Jewish historian, said that Jerusalem became a city that looked as though it had never been inhabited. How differently things would have been if the Jewish people had only believed and accepted him as our Savior. I wonder this morning how different our nation would be if people would recognize Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords as the Savior and the Redeemer of mankind and accept him today as the Messiah of the world. You can almost hear the roar of the crowds as Jesus proceeds into Jerusalem like a triumphant general returning from a great victory. From the dusty roads of the earth where the lips of little children sing his praises to the very throne of heaven where surely angel anthems roll, this was Jesus' moment. The people begin waving palm branches in the air. They begin spreading their garments along the way. Then I saw people leaving the city going out to meet Jesus. They too were waving palm branches in the air and began casting their garments along the way. Soon the dusty road was carpeted with palm branches and garments as Jesus passed by. And with one majestic chorus I heard this great multitude of people singing, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. What a beautiful sight to behold, one that I shall never forget. You talk about enthusiasm. That crowd was excited. But in the excitement of the moment, Jesus knew that many of those same voices that were shouting Hosanna would soon join in the chorus of people crying out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! But the applause and the acclamation of men did not divert His attention from his main objective in life. And that was the cross on which he was soon to die. As I watched this triumphant caravan passing through the gates of the city, I saw confusion written across the faces of many of the onlookers. I saw people looking down from the housetops and others peering out their windows, wondering, what is all this commotion about? Soon murmurs were spread throughout the crowd, saying, Who is the one riding on the donkey? Someone said, This is the carpenter's son from Nazareth. Others said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth from Galilee. Another one said, This is the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. But some were saying, This is the son of David. Behold your king as he passed by. I watched the reaction of the crowd that day when Jesus passed by. I heard some muttering under their breath. He may may be your king, but he's not mine. Others were completely indifferent as to what was happening. The shopkeepers looked out their doors to see what the commotion was all about. I heard them say, Oh, this is the carpenter's son, the troublemaker from Nazareth. And then they turned back to take care of of their business. The curiosity seekers had come to see uh, what was going on. They thought it was a parade. They'd come to join in the festivities of the occasion. They had no idea what was really happening. They were there to have a good time. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they became angry with what they saw, and they began to make 
make plans to destroy him. I saw the friends of Jesus who were moved with great joy as they marched through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. I saw blind Bartimaeus, whom Jesus had given sight. There was Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. There was Nicodemus, Zacharias, Mary the outcast, and many others too innumerable to mention this morning. These were men and women who had heard Jesus preached. These were men and women who had had seen the miracles that he had performed, and they accepted him as their Messiah. The triumphant entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem was a very bright day in the history, the dark history of Jerusalem, a day that one will never forget. Not only on this day of days, but down through the centuries of time, Jesus has reigned in triumph in the hearts of men and women who have accepted his glorious life and his teachings. The Pharisees could hardly realize how prophetic their words would be when they said, look how the whole world has gone after him. And why wouldn't we follow Jesus? He leads us in triumph. Just when we think we have had all the trouble we can handle, Jesus reaches down and lifts us gently onto the colt he is riding into Jerusalem. Just when we think that nobody cares, he opens our ears and we can hear the crowd shout, Look, who's riding with the king? And just when we think there is no reward for being righteous, Jesus smiles and quietly assures us, My Father will honor the one who serves me. Several years ago, two young men were sailing along the coast of Scotland when they decided to anchor their yacht and go ashore to roam the beautiful countryside. As the darkness of the night began to settle in, they realized that they had become lost. They had lost their sense of direction, and they did not know how to find their way back to the harbor. And so in their search, they found a little little cottage, and they knocked on the door, asking for a meal and lodging for the night. The farmer looked at these two men with great suspicion, unknown to them, and he sent them on their way. They went down the road a little bit farther, knocking on the door of a neighboring farmer. The farmer opened the door. He saw the two strangers. He invited them into his house. He set them down to a table laden with food. He gave them a bed to sleep on. He fed them breakfast in the morning. Only in the morning did the farmer discover that one of these two men was the Prince of Wales, later Edward V, the King of England. Can you imagine the disappointment and shame of the first man who closed the door against the king? But can you imagine the the joy and the delight of the second man who opened his door to a stranger and discovered that he had received the future king into his house? This morning, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is still passing our way. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens his door, I will come in. I will sup with him. And that's still the invitation today. Can you imagine the excitement that will be ours when Jesus, our King, returns for us? Over in the book of Revelation, John the Revelator saw the King coming back and wrote, He was riding on a white horse, and a great army clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were with him. A crown was on his head. 
and a bow was in his hand. And on his vesture and on his thigh were written these words, King of kings, Lord of lords. This morning, we can be in this mighty army of the Lord when the king comes back. And with the redeemed of all the ages, we can join that heavenly choir as they begin to sing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He shall reign forever and forever. I want you to know this morning, the King of kings is coming back. Best of all, he's coming back for you and me. His coming may be sooner than we realize, and we can even think this morning. And so I want to encourage you, let's be ready. Let's be waiting for the king to come back and receive us unto himself. May God bless you this morning. Think about what has transpired in the last days of the life of our wonderful Lord and Savior. You dying on the cross and then resurrecting from the dead. We praise your name today for all that you've done for us. And I pray that you'll bless thy people today. Guide and direct. Keep your hand upon us and draw us close to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we lift up your name. With hearts full of praise, be exalted, O oh Lord, my God. Hosanna in the highest. Y'all have a good week. We'll see y'all next week.